Remember that movie? I used a clip where the coach is really giving one of those speeches, you know what I mean? And at the end they go, we are Marshall. Remember that? And we were there for a while, we would we, we'd do that. We are CT, you know? And so we are not a place, we are a people with a work to do, with a commission to fulfill. Isn't that cool? We get a part to be a part of something. This is, this is just not a space and time on our schedule. It's something that we are. I know it's kind of different for some of us to think about, but just think about that for a second. Welcome to the place where the people who call themselves Church Triumphant, actually we didn't call us that, God called us that, okay, congregate together. It's a beautiful experience to be amongst people who love Jesus. It just really is, and I love it. And um, to kind of make you aware of a couple of things that are going on, you all should have got one of these when you came into the door. And, uh, uh, and there's some really, good, some really good things going on. Camp, kids' camp is coming up here in a couple of weeks. This picnic that's going on, this is a conglomeration of several, actually many churches in, church, in, in, in Ross County. This is a community church picnic. Starts today at 4. Meat and buns and all that stuff will be provided as will. We didn't have many people to provide, to, to provide for, so we're doing just big jugs of ice water, okay? So if you are like, you have an allergic reaction to water or something, you might want to bring something else. But that's what we're going to provide just because it's easy. And we don't, without knowing, having it spread clear across the county and people, we don't know how many people are coming. It was impossible to figure how many cans of pop or how many two liters and all that. So we're just doing water. Which, when it's going to be 91 degrees, that's what you should be drinking anyway. Am I right, Miss LaTanya? Go ahead. She's our health expert in the, in, the, in the church. She keeps our dietary things moving in the right direction. And um, be there at four at the Lion's Shelter, between the Lion's Shelter there and the bandstand. Uh, there's going to be some cornhole boards out there. We're going to have some music. We're going to pray for our nation at the end of the event. going to gather together as the body of Christ and pray for our, our city and our state and our country and, and our world. And then we're going to turn around and, and, and just have a time of, of, of prayer together. That's just going to be what we're going to end it. So um, make sure you come and join, join us for that. Um, there's a, you guys got one of these, right? So I don't have to tell you anything else, right? You can read your, you know, the secretaries love it when you read this because they feel like their time is worth something at that moment. When they find out people aren't reading, well, it was in the bulletin. Well, I didn't read the bulletin. I see, I see them do that before when they're on the phone. Why am I, read that, okay? That's all I'm going to say about it. Matthew, you can turn to Matthew 22 while we get ready. I don't know about you, but I, I love celebrations. I love getting to places with people where they're having fun, where there's a cause that, that's worth getting excited about, where there's something, an honor or something somebody's received that, 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 that I get invited to. I love, we had a birthday party at our house the other night for, for my, my younger daughter and had a good time together. We had a chance to celebrate the life of Donovan Gabriel yesterday, and we sure did that. It was awesome. It was not like a death dirge kind of a thing. It was, a, it was an amazing service. We had a good time. And it's, when somebody knows Christ, it just changes the whole deal, man. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about our major motivation as Christians. And we're going to continue that line of thought. But I want you to think about how you like to celebrate. I want, to, I want you to think about what it's like when you, like recently I got this, um, can you throw it up there for me, Thomas? I got this invitation the other day in the mail. I don't know if you can read that. 
Now, that's an actual invitation I received. A friend of mine, Pastor Steve Schmidt, is, re- is, is, is resigning his post at Tabernacle Baptist. His last Sunday preaching is August 28th. And the 27th, they're having, a, they're having a shindig for him. And I got that in the mail, and it was just, it, it, it excited me. I mean, because he's, 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 he's been pastoring in this community for 21 years. And so he's, he's uh, God's called him to do some other things. And so he's, he's embarking on that journey. And, uh, but I can't wait to get there that night and hear all the, the stories of, what God did in the life of a person, and there's going to be food there. For us as Americans, that's pretty, we'll show up where there's food. I mean, last week, I mean, I want to say thank you to all you people who, are, who call yourselves Church Triumphant. I've seen, I've seen Church Triumphant t-shirts on, and the, the, our, our ushers and greeters are wearing new shirts. I don't know if you saw them. They'll be easily recognizable, the blue polos with the CT on them. So when you're coming in the door, your friends come to the door, they'll be able to say, hey, I know I can help somebody, that person can help me. You know what I mean? And that's just about reaching, you know, making it easy for people to understand where they need to go, what they need to do. Anyway, um, you know, we gave away 120 pounds of fish last Sunday afternoon. Is that cool? We gave away 380 hot dogs and could have given away more probably. We gave away 600 snow cones. The, The massage ladies... For three solid hours, did, did, I think they, they did 25 chair massages or something in three hours, which is I guess is a pretty good clip for a, for a massage therapist. I don't know. And we had people all over. We took 124 different names and different addresses at our registration table. That's cool. And our service to Jesus was not confined to a place. It was confined to a mission to reach a people who aren't darkening the doors of a church who don't know the name of Christ. But the cool thing about you can always get people around when you add what to it? Food, absolutely. Isn't that amazing? It's hard to have a celebration without food, isn't it? It's hard to have a real shindig without food. I remember one time we were, we were driving down the road, and there was a big party near our house. And, and there were cars parked everywhere with a big house right, right on the corner from us. And I looked at my dog, I looked at my kids, I said, you guys ever dug shins before? Well, Dad, what's a shin? I said, I don't know, but they're digging an awful lot of them there around the corner. They're having a shin dig right there. I don't know. Maybe we should go. You know, it's hard to have a shin dig without food. The neat thing about it is we all want to be a part of a, a greater celebration and there is a great celebration that, 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 that's, that, that, that's, coming, that, that's coming down the road that we've all been invited to, we've all received invitations for, and um, we, we, we have received it. But the thing is, we lose track of it. For the last month, we, I, I've given you this quote on the screen by a guy named C.S. Lewis. And I want to leave it in your, in, in your mind right now. Because he says these words. He says, if you read history... You will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this particular world. See, we did a, I did a thing with some leaders, and I sent out some training online, and I asked some questions. And one of the questions I asked was, what do the people of Church Triumphant, in your estimation as a leader, see outreach as? And almost without fail, and we talked about the group leaders meeting a few weeks ago at my house, that, that most people consider outreach an event. But see, if we have that mindset, we are missing it. Because outreach is not an event. Outreach is a commission. 
Outreach is a calling. Outreach, evangelism, shining the light of Christ is something all of us are supposed to be about. It is to be our lifestyle. Are you hearing me? We, as Christians, have been invited. We as people, just human beings, I'm not saying Christians. We as people have been invited to a great feast. And the table is already set. The table is already ready for us. The candles are lit. The place settings are in place. The food is being prepared. The place is set. And God wants us to know what we're going to do with it. The fact that we have an invitation. After receiving and RSVPing, we've been commissioned. God sent an invitation to the person of Christ, inviting us all, every one of us, to come. For God so loved the right that he did what? Gave his son, right? And he sat, sent that invitation through the blood in the hands, the nail-pierced hands of Jesus, and invites us all to come to the table. But after RSVP into that, to that, to that invitation to this feast, he didn't let us stop there. Turn with me with Matthew 22. Let's read a piece of scripture here and talk about our compelling commission. His celebration's ready. Matthew 22, verse 1 says, Jesus told them other parables, and he said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls and the fattened cattle have been killed, and everything, everything is ready. Come to the banquet! And there's an exclamation point there. God's emphatic about that. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invite are worthy of the honor aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. So when the king came in and the meeting guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you were here, are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet, throw him in the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This parable is, the, is, is symbolic all the way around of the story of the gospel. There's a king. He's God. He's prepared a wedding feast for his son. He's Jesus. And he sent servants out to the world to send his invitation. Guess who the servants are? I'll give you a hint. The person you're staring in the back of their head. They're one of them. The person sitting where you're sitting, they're one of them. He sent out servants. See, Kings and Family Fun Fest is a great opportunity, but it's not the end. See, it doesn't stop. If we're just happy about having done an event, we have missed the whole point of the thing in the first place. Because I'm praying for moments like Brian Weiskup had a few weeks ago with a guy at a bank 
who he thought the Lord nudged and that he, this guy needed help. And it didn't look, it look like it was going to be anything. And then a few days later, Brian's driving down the road and sees a guy carrying a gas can. Guess who it is? Same guy. Because outreach is not an event. It's a lifestyle. It's an opportunity. It's it's our chance to be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever we are, whatever we do. We are to be the servants. The first people the invitation was sent to, symbolically speaking in this parable, are the people of Israel. They killed the prophets. They killed the servants. They did all that kind of stuff. And God said, well, I'm going to extend it further. And these guys won't take it. I'll send it to somebody who will. New servants, let's go and just get a hold of everybody. Get an invitation in the hand of every person you get an invitation into. Let's go do this thing. But think about the story of the guy who, see, God provided a way. It was customary in these Middle Eastern countries for a king, when he, when he would have a celebration, he would, he would clothe everybody. He'd make sure everybody had the appropriate attire. And so this guy comes in, and the guy didn't take what the king had offered. You get that? The guy did not take what the king had offered. He decided to stay where he was with the, 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 the clothes and the things that he was always used to. He just decided to stay right there. And the king's like, dude, you, why are you not prepared for the feast? I've already provided for you something that, 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 that takes your life into a realm it never went into before. What are you doing? And the guy's like, I, he had no response. I just want to do my thing, man. See ya. See, this, this idea of eternity is always there. Almost every parable Jesus, Jesus taught, there's this idea of eternity, every one of them. Jesus never spoke without eternity in perspective, without heaven, without hell. If you need, I would encourage you. I mean, I, and I, have no, I don't do this very often, but I'm telling you, probably the, next, the last three messages we've preached around here, you should go listen to them. I'm just saying. Because it will give you a, a, a what's, what, what, what's that Bill Turkovich says? It will give you a checkup from the neck up. Because it'll be script, it's scripturally, scripturally sound, and it's what the, what, what the Bible says about life, about death, about heaven, about hell. It's about all that. And we've, lo- we've lost sight of that. And what C.S. Lewis has said in that quote is exactly true. We've become ineffective because we forgot about what's lying out there beyond this life. But Stacy is a testimony of when you concentrate on what's really important, how it affects the life of a person and how it becomes effective. Because her great uncle Donovan had no fear of death. You know why? Because he faced life with the person of Christ. And that man was excited about the crossing over from this place to the next one. He wasn't fearful. You ever talked, how many of you ever talked to Donovan about, about that? Anybody? How many of you ever saw, heard him say, dude, I'm just ready to go? And then smile. There's a big, I mean, I'm just ready to go. So, yeah, because he got it. You see what I mean? Now, this parable teaches us that there were servants that were sent, new servants. We are those who've been invited. Now we have become servants. Our job is then this. The scriptures say, there's a parallel piece of a parallel parable, a parallel piece of scripture in Luke 14. And it reads like this. So his master said, Go out of the country, lanes and behind the hedges. And the New Living Translation says, Urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. In the in, in the the, uh, the ESV and the NASB and the NRSV, the word is compel, not urge. Has a little different feeling, doesn't it? Compel. What does it mean to compel someone? Huh? Well, it means to drive or urge forcefully or irresistibly. 
God's, com- God's, God's commission to us is to be compelling. We are to be compelling. Now, am I, am I telling us to go... Am I telling us to go take Bibles and say... <laughs> No, I like the word on the end of the definition, irresistibly. See, if we're living the way Jesus lived, there's an irresistible facet that takes on our, that, goes, that, 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 that comes on our lives. The people are like, dude, what is that all about? It says the, ne- the, ne- the next definition says like this. It, it, it says, I'm lost. I'm getting moving too fast. It says to cause or to do, oh, to cause. To do or overcome or occur by overwhelming pressure. You know what it should be like for some people? If we're really praying for the lost to be saved, they should feel like they're surrounded. That they get just the right, in our estimation, or the wrong checkout clerk at, at Walmart. Who's just willing to talk to them about Jesus. You know what I mean? For no very reason. Overwhelmed. Not by like shoving stuff down people's throat, but overwhelmed by the love and the grace and the truth of the Scriptures. That, that, that God literally comes in on, on, on their behalf, and they're like, I can't believe this. The Bible says that the, 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 the arm of the Lord is not shortened, that it cannot save. He reaches, and He reaches, and He reaches. You know how He reaches? He reaches through us. He keeps through our prayers through our actions, God, through, our, through our conversations, he keeps reaching and he keeps reaching and he keeps reaching. I pray that the people that are really prevalent in my mind who are, are lost without Christ, that they can't sleep at night. You guys should pray that way? Absolutely. I pray that that alcohol they can't seem to get away from just starts to taste like spoiled milk every time they put the thing down. I pray that, that, that they will become so uncomfortable with where they're comfortable that they can't stand themselves anymore. So that Jesus will have an inroad into their lives. That they will feel overwhelmed. And the Bible says this. I'll clarify this. Listen. The Bible says it's God's kindness that draws us to repentance. So I'm in no way condoning some sort of forceful action where we put guns to people's heads or blow up buildings or do something like that, okay? Whatever that guy did in Norway, Jesus is not on that, Okay? He tells Peter, put the sword away. That's not how we do things. Are you hearing me? The way we win people is by the love of Christ. Now, there is a, a, a brief clause in Jude. There are some people who just need a kick in the pants to get it, get it going in the right direction. And the God leaves a clause in the book of Jude. It says, save some by fear, pulling them out of the fire. Now, the clarification, it says some. It don't say all. It don't even say most. It says some. Okay, I think kindness and love and generosity goes a lot further. But here's what's, here's the problem with the church. We've done two. We, we do, we, we've, done, we, we've got it out of balance. We always get something out of balance. We either go swing all this way, where we're just doing really good stuff, and we're just happy, but we don't tell anybody anything. And there's other parts where we go. We just want to tell people stuff. We don't care about doing nothing good. We just want to make them know that they're going to hell without Jesus. And that's it. We've got to come back to the middle of the road. Bring it back to the middle of the road and say, you know what? I'm going to live the way Jesus lived. And when I have the chance, I'm going to do what Paul did. I want to encourage us to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within me. You know what that means? 
that means your life ought to be lived in such a way that people ask questions. Like the jailer in Acts 16. What must I do to be saved? Wow, talk about an opportunity. They didn't, they didn't pass him a track. They didn't, they didn't, their life was lived in such a way that he just had to ask the question. What do I go? Hey, 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 hey. How can I get what you got? And at that moment, bam, something happens to cause overwhelming pressure. Listen, verse the third is to drive together. Our commission is to, to take the person of Christ and the, the people of the world. And like, like, like a sheep, we're to drive them towards the gate. We're like, we're like shepherds almost. We're trying to, the gate's right, the gate's right there. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We're trying to drive them together to the gate, to the, to the door. We're trying to, to get them where they can get in there. You get what I'm saying? Now, not all of them are going to respond. The scriptures are very clear. At the end of that passage, Matthew 2 said, many are called. The call goes out across the world. But few people actually take what's been offered to them, okay? The guy there without the appropriate attire on, they don't, they don't receive the provisions we get to them, and so they don't, they don't get to, to stay at the banquet. You get me? Are you understanding that? The provision has been made. The provision is the person of Christ, his blood, his offering of his life. And we're to drive people towards him. What about our lives makes Jesus irresistible? What about your life makes people want him more. What about my life? Is there anything they see in us that goes, oh, man, i got to have that? How have we overwhelmed people with his love and his truth? How, how have, we, have we done that? Can we keep doing that? If we're doing that, how can we keep it going in the right direction? How can we not get sidetracked? Has what we've been doing either as a church or just as individual followers of Christ, has what we've been doing been driving people towards Christ or driving people away from him? That's the question. That's the question. God gave us a, 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 a compelling commission, and he gave us a compelling occupation. The book of Matthew uh, uh, 25, where we camped out, uh, a lot over the last couple of weeks. We're going to look at a, a parallel passage of Scripture uh, of that pace called, uh, in Luke 19. In Luke 19, uh, there's a piece uh, of Scripture that's very similar to the one we just, we just read. It says in verse 12, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Does that sound funny? Does that sound like you might be talking about somebody in the Scripture? The nobleman is Jesus. He's left to be crowned king of kings and lord of lords, and he's going to return. Do we all, are we all on the same page on that? That's what this Bible talks about. Read Revelation chapter 19. There's this guy going to come riding on a white horse one day with a crown on his head, the Bible says. His name is called True and Faithful. And all the world at that moment will acknowledge that he is the Son of God, the King of kings and lord of lords. This is what the parable is talking about, Okay. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, invest. Now, the King James Version says occupy. The New American Standard translation says do business. The ESV says engage. And the NIV says put it to work. Okay? Invest this for me while I'm gone. 
But his people hated him and his delegation after him, after him to say, we do not want him to be our king. That sounds like the world, doesn't it? Trying to drive God, drive Jesus out of every place. This word invest means to fill up. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had been given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I've invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You're a good servant. You've been faithful with this little I entrusted you with. Entrusted you with. So you'll be governor over ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I've invested your money and made five times. Well done, the king said. You'll be governor over five cities. Verse 20, but the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you were a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops where he didn't plant. You wicked servant, he said. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what is mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then turning, on, turning to the other standing by, the king ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said, he already has 10 pounds. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they've been given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. As for the enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. Wow. Here we are again, parable of Jesus, eternity always in focus. You've got this idea of being walking into the inheritance of, of, of a good servant. You've got the idea of being cast out. You've got the idea of judgment. See, we can't get away from those things. They are there no matter where we turn. Now, here's the deal. I had, I, we just talked with, with, about the baptisms. These acts that, that, that he entrusts these servants with, the person of Christ, these are, not, these are not things to make us saved. These are things we do because we are. Okay, are you hearing me? And there should be fruit of a life of a person who's come to Christ that translates in to good things being com coming out of their life, but that does not make them saved or on their way to heaven. Are you hearing me? Jesus gives things to people, and then he entrusts them to do something with it. We've been given gifts. We've all been offered an invitation to come sit at the table. We didn't do anything to earn that invitation. We didn't do anything to make us, make us worthy of the invitation. Nothing. He just gave it to us. And we gave us the invitation. He said, here, you've RSVP'd. Here's five more invitations. Go make sure somebody gets one. Go out wherever you can. Now that you're one of my servants, one of my guests, you've, you've accepted the invitation. It's time for me to put you to work and make sure my table is full. So here, because I already invited you and you've, you've accepted, go out and get some more people to come with me. You get what I'm saying? That's what this parable is about. He says, go and invest. What does he want to invest? He wants to, to invest our lives into the lives of other people. He wants us to invest our time, our energy, our prayers. Money is a part of that because it's a part of our lives. It, take, it, it took a little bit of cash to make that thing happen last weekend. But that's not what it was all about. And I want to say this. That event, I'm going to make some people like, what are you talking about? What do we do it for? That event was not necessarily to make more people come to church triumphant. What that event was about, it was to give more people access to the kingdom of God. And if they show up here, great. But if they don't, all we were were a seed, a seed sower in the life of somebody or a water waterer, then that's fine. But if we're doing our job, church triumphant will need to grow. And it may be those 124 names in Kingston, and it may be somebody completely other and random than that. But we're still commissioned to do our job. Are you with me? 
extend our invitations. We're to invest to fill up the earth with the knowledge of Christ and to fill the table of God with invitees. Are you with me? We're to invest to make sure that happens. Now, this word invest, the Greek word there, which really occupy in King James, I want to allude to, to engage the attention or energies of, to come into close contact, to engage someone means to come right with an interaction with them. Do you get that? God wants us to engage. He wants us to take up a space in somebody's life. It has to do with time. He wants us to take time, invest our time into the lives of people. He wants us to take hold or possession of the calling and do our job. He wants us to fill and perform the functions of a good servant. And he wants us to reside as an owner in this place and say, you know what? It's my responsibility. An owner takes responsibility for what they've been given. He wants us to walk around with the idea that these are the people God's entrusted me with. And who's going to tell them if I don't? Who's going to be good to them if, I don't, if I'm not? Who's going to love them if I won't? And take it and run with it. Are you hearing me? I want you to think of something. Remember, this goes back to, to Matthew 25. It, he talks about that, that, that same idea there with those, those servants. And the one, the one just takes his, see, for too long, for too long, the church has been about what's going on in here. And I'm not talking about church triumphant. I'm talking about the church as a whole. But the compelling, the compelling commission says, go. You got that? Go into the highways. Go into the byways. Go into the country lanes. Go to the hedges. Go to Glattfelder. Go to Kroger's. Go to the hospital. Go to the park. Go. Find a place. Just get there. Are you hearing me? Use every available resource to fill the earth with the knowledge of the invitation we've all been given and do our part until his table is full. I want to say this. Our job is not to be worried about results, but to be worried about obedience. 1 Corinthians 3 says this, After all, who is Apollos? Who was another guy going around preaching at the same time Paul was? Some people think he wrote the book of Hebrews. I'm not sure. I don't know. Nobody takes credit for it, but it's a great book. You ought to read it sometime. Okay? In the Bible, toward the back. Okay? We are only, and who is Paul, he says? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us, he says. I planted a seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. Paul wouldn't take any credit for any of it. He just said, I just did my part. That's what I did. I just did what God told me to do. I, I didn't make it grow. I didn't, I didn't change your life. I didn't transform you. I didn't do any of that. Paul didn't do any of that. God did all that. And so if the same thing is true, that it's important who does the plan. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. Let me ask you a question. Are, are, are we engaged in the work of the kingdom? Are you, like, you got other Christian friends at work. You know what you ought to be doing? Gotta be tag teaming, brother. You find somebody who believes in the person of Christ, thinks he's coming. You ought to be like, "Hey, dude, I was talking to so and so at lunch. You get a chance to talk to him. You ought to." And you make the tag like, "Oh, it's your turn. You're on, brother." Okay, and you, you jump out of the ring. I'll get the person to jump in. We as churches ought to be. You know, what, you know what the picnic is today? The picnic is about us having a tag team on, on Ross County. Hopefully, the people of Church Triumphant will interact with somebody that the people of Tabernacle Baptist interact with. 
And all of a sudden, maybe this seed's getting planted. Maybe it's getting watered. You know what I mean? Because it's not about church triumphant. It's about the kingdom of God. It's way beyond this location on 180. It's so much bigger than that. If that's all we're concerned about, we are missing it. It's the whole world, brothers and sisters. It's all of Ross County. I heard a stat this week. Only like 22% of the people in Ross County even go to church. 22%. You know what that means? We don't have nearly enough churches. We could use one every so often. We need to, shh, because we're, there's still a lot of people to reach, a lot of people to touch. We ought to tag team with Kingston United Methodist Church. We ought to tag team with Mount Pleasant Presbyterian over there. We ought to be tag teaming with Good Shepherd Anglican. And we ought to be tag teaming with Zion Baptist. And we ought to be tag teaming with, with New Life Christian. We ought to be tag teaming with Open Door. We ought to be tag teaming. I mean, we ought to be just Grace Fellowship. We ought to just be just tagging everywhere we can and just get on with the, with, with the match we've been entrusted with. Our job is not the results, but obedience. How are, we using, how are we using our assets and our time? I mean, how, 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 are, how, how am I? How are you? How are we as a church doing that? Have you taken a hold? Have you taken possession? Have you taken ownership of the calling God's given you? It's a big deal. You, you have been tapping the shoulder to come to a wedding feast. And because you've received the invitation, God says, I just want you to help me get some other people there. Can you help me do that? I mean, trust me. I, I believe that if, if there was some big shindig going on in Chillicothe, and some people of note were going to be there, and everything was free, I'll bet none of us would have trouble making, dude, did you hear who's coming? And they're not charging the admission. There's going to be free food. And there's going to be, and we, I, we would tell everyone, I mean, it would be, it'd be It'd be all over. Man, because you have, I can't believe they're, they're actually coming. They're going to invite us to come hang out with them. And we're going to eat. And it's all going to be free. And we're going to, no kidding. Are you kidding? And it, would, it, it spread like, you know, we had a sort of rumor, you know. Think of somebody. Let's do that right now. Who, who's it going to be? Um, some big wig. Who would be, be coming? Huh? Third day. They're gonna, well, you know, outside people are going to go, third who? I mean, somebody, somebody we'd all recognize. Who would that be? That Oh, Taylor Swift, help her, Jesus. Um, um, help her, Jesus. I mean, just think of some, like maybe some historical figure, somebody who made a great impact on the planet. They were going to come to Chillicothe. There was going to be a free meal and festivities all day long and all that stuff. We would all be like, dude, I'm, going, I'm just totally stinking because they're going to be, they're going to feed us? Are you kidding me? Are we going to drink all we want to drink? Are we going to eat all we want to eat? Are, we going to, are you joking? Dude, you got to come because it's like going to be, yeah, and it would be, it'd be like, and if you weren't going, you'd be like, people like, dude, why aren't you coming? What is up with that? It's free, man. What are you doing? You know what I'm saying? But see, we've been given that exact invitation. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of all that we can see, is having this banquet, and it's all free. There's a table that's already set. He's just waiting for the places to be filled. He's looking for somebody who will grab an invitation and run with it and go, dude, get somebody to my table. I'll make all the provisions. It doesn't matter who they are, good, bad, or whatever. It doesn't make any difference. I will clothe them. I will take care of them. I will make it good for them. We'll get it right if they will just reach out and grab my invitation. Are you hearing me? Let me ask you a question. Are we compellingly occupying this space and time we've been given? 1 Peter 4, 7 says this. 
The end of the world is coming soon. Eternity's always in focus in the scriptures, always right there, always right in front, always first and foremost. Is always not, not, not the afterthought, it is the thought of scripture. Are you hearing me? Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, because you just show deep love for each other, and for, for love covers multitudes of sin. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Listen to this next line. God has given you each a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. He says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Some of you are like, Aaron, I could never do what you do. You're not supposed to. My wife will tell you the one thing I can do is talk. That's it. Some of you got some of some of you got handfuls of of, of gifts. I got one. <laughs> You're looking at it. You know what I mean? Use it. Use use your your, your hospitality. Use use your, your your organizational skills. Use use your friendly demeanor. Use your mechanical abilities. Use whatever gifting, callings, whatever it is. Use it. We've all been given something. And it's not all about this guy standing on the platform on Sunday morning. And it has, Lord, have mercy if he's waiting on me to get everything done. And we are never going to get there. I'm just telling you, I am so scatterbrained. I don't get much done ever. I don't see Mike. My, th- my kids think I'm Doug. You guys know Doug. Who's watched up? You know Doug? The dog that rambles? And then gets sidetracked, squirrel. And then right back to rambling. Remember that? You know what I'm talking about? That's me. It's a running joke at my house. I'm Doug. See, and I'm using, I'm using the one thing I got right now. Just, you see what I mean? Some of you have a lot more to offer than even I've got. And that's just being honest. And you think that yours is less because mine kind of is up here in front of people on Sunday mornings for some reason. Use what God's given you. Use your tongue if necessary. Use your ears. Use your arms. Hug folks who need hugged. That goes a long way. Use it all for the glory of God. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Notice this next line. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. There's the bookend. You start out with eternity. The world's ending soon. And you end with eternity. Lord, glory to him forever and ever. And Peter says, amen. That's the way it ought to be. Done deal. Done talking. And some of you are like, thank the Lord Jesus, he's going to quit soon. Let me ask you a question. How active are you in this process? Have you even received the first invitation? Because if you're not, you're missing it already. The table is set. God's asking each of you who are sitting here in this room to come to the table. If you don't know, here's the deal. Here's here's how you get, here's, here's the invitation that's extended. God loves you. You were created for him, not for any other reason. The thing that keeps you from him is this thing called sin, okay? And we all got it. Yes, even me, just in case you're wondering. I don't live next door to Jesus, I promise. I live next door to Jim. Now, he did play Jesus one time in a cantata, I think, as I recall. 
But that's as close as I'm getting right now. Okay? We all got it? I told the people at the funeral yesterday, I never, I've never had to teach. I know these girls look like little angels to you. Carol says they are. She didn't have to live with you every day of the week. But I've never had to teach them how to lie. You guys have done that, haven't you? Yeah. I've never had to teach you how to cheat on a game, have I? But you figured out how to do it, haven't you? Mm-hmm. I've never had to do, do any. They, they, they just know how. You know what that means? Sin lives in them. And without the person of Christ, they are separated from their Father in heaven. Cool thing is, these two right here, you guys have already received the invitation, haven't you? And you've RSVP'd, right? You've like, dude, I'm, I'm there, right? See, so now they're good. You understand what I'm saying? I remember when this one got saved. It was awesome. I was driving down 180 in a Ford Ranger. She was in a car seat next to me. We were talking about the person of Jesus. She starts to bawl. You mean I can know Jesus? Yeah, you can know Jesus. It was around Easter time. We were talking about Jesus hanging on the cross. And she got saved right there in my truck. This old beat-up Ford Ranger. I will never forget it. She was just, I mean, she was, and she'd been walking with Jesus ever since. And it's cool. He wants the invitation. Huh? Woo! You are lost without Christ. You need him. And here's the thing. You can't do enough good works to fix it. You can't. Sin cannot be removed by good works. We can't give enough money in the offering plate. We can't do enough missions. We can't do enough nice things for people. We can't take enough orphans in. We can't help enough widows. We can't do it. But out of the goodness of the heart that God places in us, then we do those kinds of things. Are you with me? Jesus paid the price for your sin. He extends eternal life to you. And life that's eternal means he guarantees you a seat at the wedding banquet. Are you hearing me? So if you don't know that right now, it's as simple as this. You say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I received the invitation. Are we good? You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, and it's a done deal. It's not like five minutes of repeat after me prayers and all that. Oh, that's fine. I get that. But it's as simple as Romans 10. That's Romans 10. Believe in the heart. Confess with the mouth. And if you do that, you shall be saved, the Scriptures say. You can jump in the tank with Chris and Quincy and, and yeah, whoo, and Stacy and Shelly and go, dude, I'm right there. I have got the invitation in my hand. I am doing something with it. I'm going. That simple. Right here, right now. If you don't know Christ, you make that proclamation, dude, you're on. It's, it, it, it's let's go. Let's run to the, to the table. Now, here's the other thing. If you do know Jesus, you've got a job to do. You. Look at this. We, these, are, these always sit out at the information center. And these are not to get people to come to church triumphant necessarily. You see what the words say? You see that? Trust Jesus. He must like that. These are to put tool, a, a weapon in your hand. Consider this an invitation. In fact, we call them invite cards. To each of us ought to not be satisfied with having done an event in a park somewhere on one afternoon for three hours. We should only be content when the table is set and it's full. If you've not received the invitation to Christ, 
you just come forward and we'll make sure you get hooked up. If you have received the invitation for Christ, here's your commission to not let it end. I want you to stand with me. Right here, the table is set. God gives us bite-sized pieces to walk with. If you want to be serious about this commission, this eternity thing, I'm going to invite you to do something. I'm going to invite you to come to the table. If you've been walking with Jesus for years and you're just like, dude, I need to get on the commission. If you don't know Jesus at all and you're like, dude, I need an invitation. I didn't get one yet. I want you to come to the table. Inside each of these place settings is a card. I want you not to be a covert Christian any longer. I want you to be an intentional Christian. I want you to make the most of every opportunity. I want you to take an invitation. I want you to make sure it gets in the hand of somebody. I only want each person taking one. I want somebody to come up here and snatch up 15 of them. I want each person to take one step of obedience. I want each person to take one card and make it your calling to get it in the hand of one person to start a conversation about trusting Jesus. Are you with me? Because, see, we're not done yet. We've done two events in Kingston Park. We hope to go back maybe in August. I'll tell you more about that maybe next week, I hope. And we're going to be back in September for Harvest Home. But we're not done. Because, you see, there's still people at Glattfelder. There's still people at, at, at Walmart. There's still people on Brown Hollow Road. There's still people on 180. There's still people everywhere we turn who need an invitation. We are not done yet. Are you hearing me? Jesus, we stand here before you. We've received your invitation, many of us. Those of us who aren't, we just simply confess and believe in our heart, God. You got us covered. You will clothe us with new clothes, and we're ready for the banquet. We'll get to stay and enjoy it with you, Lord. And God, I pray, Father, everyone who has not done that, if you, if you, if you need to receive Jesus just right now where you stand, just raise your hand right quick. If you say, I, 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 I never received my invitation yet. I need one. Anybody? Okay, step two, Jesus, empower these who are sitting here, God, to go be your servants, to go out to the highways and the byways, to compel, to urge, to engage, God, to take responsibility for it, to go do business, God, to put, into, put, put to work the things you've done for them. And God, I pray, Jesus, you would take them and use them wherever they go because you are coming soon. The end of the world is near, Peter wrote. God, we have something to accomplish. I pray, Jesus, your grace and your mercy and your power will accompany us everywhere that we go. And we bless you and we thank you. And we honor you, Jesus, for doing that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I ask Thomas to play a song. If you're serious, you realize you're not busy like you need to be busy. Maybe, maybe you are busy. You're like, dude, I'm going to stay busy. I'm going to commit myself to staying busy. I'm going to stay, I'm going to keep my light shining bright. I want you to come by the table. It's set. The, the candles are burning up, and there's an invite card there. It's not for you to keep a memento in your wallet to make you feel good about yourself. Pull out every so often and look at it. It's, a, it's for you to take and use. It's a piece of a, it's an inv, it's a little invitation to get somebody to consider the, the person of Christ. G-O-S-P-E-L. Are you with me? Would you come? serious about that would you come would you take another step won't you become a, a person who's following Jesus to the end of the road like Chris like Quincy won't you come now grab a card each person take a card each person who's serious about fulfilling their commission being compelling won't you come 
Take a card. See, because I'm big on practicality. It makes no difference if you come here and have a good time for two hours unless you're equipped to walk out of here and go live life differently. And this is it. You take your card, you can go. If you need prayer, I'll hang around and pray with you. We some earlier here to pray. But this is it. We're not done yet. Work needs to be done. People need to be reached. The gospel needs to be, be, be told and proclaimed. 